talking about valleys today and and I really feel that the one thing I'm going to take out of this whole COVID experience, out of this valley, I guess, that we're all going through is that song. That song came out of, you know, this season that we're in. And it's touched our lives, but all around the world, you know, Christians are there's revelation and an understanding that God is with us and God is blessing and God will be with us whatever the season. Father, we just thank you for your rich blessing. Lord, you bless us and you don't add sorrow with it. Lord, you are for us. We praise you. Bless your word, Lord, I pray. Amen. You know, we're talking still about that series into the new. What do you do when the new that you enter into is a valley, is a place of shadows, of darkness? You know, life is a mixture of good and bad, of pain and pleasure, victory and defeat, success and failure. All of these things come across our path as we journey through life. You know, if you've never had downtimes in your life, then you don't build a character that's going to help you to overcome the problems that come your way. Nor are you a whole lot of help to somebody who's going through difficult times because you've never experienced something like that. We all travel through times of difficulty where we learn where character is built in our life. As you look in the Bible and it talks about valleys, it's really interesting. It's a great study in itself. It talks about life situations like uh, trouble, darkness, weeping, sorrow. It talks about those as a part of the valley experience. But if you dig deeper, you find that in the valley, there is great intimacy. There are answers to prayer. That's where battles are won. That's where there is transformation, breakthrough, healing, renewal, and blessing. And if you look at some of the names of the valleys in the Bible, you find that God changed the names of the valley because of the experiences of his people as they traveled through them. He said in Hosea, I will make the valley of Achor, which Achor means trouble. I will make it a door of hope. You know, whether the trouble is of your own making and your own fault or somebody else's or the circumstances, in that valley, God says, I will open a door of hope for you to come out. He talked about his people. When they walk through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, any of you have gone through a valley, I'm sure you've shed the tears and uh, you've, as you've been seeking God. But he says the valley of weeping will become a place of refreshing springs, a place of blessings. You know, the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, that's really relevant to us when Maggie was having one of our children, Haley. And her middle name's Joy. And part of the reason for that is that, you know, one of our children Maggie had just like that. All the rest have taken fairly lengthy period of time. And so when Haley was there, it was, it was getting really late at night. I had two children at home. And I was thinking, should I go or, or should I stay? And, and I rang mum and, and mum just happened to say, oh, look, I've got the scripture, you know. Weeping may endure for the, for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I said, oh, well, I'll take that. I'll go home. Poor Maggie, she didn't get much sleep that night, I can assure you. 
But I came back in the morning when, and, and Haley Joy, you know, came and, and was a part of our life. You know, we journey through things, difficulties, hard times. But, you know, where there is weeping, there is joy at the end of that journey. Know that God is with you in the valley of giants. You will find the God of the breakthrough. When David was 37 years of age, he'd finally been at his third anointing and became the king of all of Israel and Judah. He conquered Jerusalem and set up his throne there. And then the Philistines heard that David had been made king and immediately they gathered all their armies together and they came out against David. And they came out full of confidence and in power. They came to a place that they were familiar with. They brought all their gods, their demons and spirits that they worship and brought them all with them into this valley called the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of Giants. And David sought God and said, God, what should I do? God said, go down and meet them. You are going to defeat them. And he went down into that place and he defeated, not only defeated them, but they captured all of their idols and all their things of worship. You see, sometimes when we face a battle, it might be sickness, it might be to do with finances, it may be to do uh, with positions at work, it may be to do with business, it may be to do with your uh, spiritual calling, it may be to do with relationships. But it's like a, a demonic attack against your name. What you need to know that in the valley of giants, when big things are coming against you, that on your side is the God of the breakthrough. And David changed the name of that valley from that time on and forever. It was changed from the valley of giants to the valley of the God of the breakthrough. And you know, we are a people of breakthrough. God wants to break through in your life, your circumstances. Sometimes we're in valleys and we lose our joy. We lose our spiritual desire to seek in and press into the things of God. You know, this morning, it's a time to make a stand and to say, God, no matter what I'm facing, I'm putting my trust in you and I'm stepping forward. Step in to all that God has for you. Don't allow your joy to be taken when you are in the valley. Here's four facts about valleys. Number one, <clears throat> simply this, valleys happen. Jesus was very upfront about it. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Man, I love the promises of the Bible, but I sometimes wish that one wasn't there. But it's there. You know, because problems come and you, or you end up in strife or lose a job or things happen, doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're a person. You know, we live in this world. It's not our home. You're a citizen of heaven. We're just passing through this life. In this life, you'll have troubles. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And he is the one who is with us in the valley that we're going through. Valleys are unpredictable. You know, you don't plan a flat tire. At least I haven't, ever. You don't plan a, a phone call that comes and it's bad news, something's happened or something's happened to somebody. Or you go to a doctor for routine checkup and it's something more than just a normal checkup. You never plan these things, they're unpredictable. Valleys are temporary. David says when you walk through the valley, you go through a season, what happens in that season, we're going to find is really, really important in your life and in your attitude. When I walk through the valley... Tough times don't come to stay. 
they come to pass. Valleys are purposeful. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Find God in the valley and you'll find the purpose. There's a saying, trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional. You know, we all go through troubles, but don't let it become, make you miserable. You know, don't, don't let it get you so downcast that nobody can go near you. I heard the story of a man who got bitten by a dog and it swelled up and he was in pain, he was irritable, he was anxious and uh, he went to the doctor and when he got to the doctor, the doctor said, hey, man, you've got rabies. So that upset him even more. He was more anxious and more frustrated. The doctor said, look, I'll just go, I'll go, go and get an injection and so he was away for about five minutes and when he came back, he said, the man was sitting at his desk writing on a bit of paper. And the doctor came and says, hey, come on, you're not going to die. You don't have to write out your will. And uh, the man says, oh, I'm not writing out my will, doctor. This is a list of names of people I'm going to bite. <laughs> so the moral of the story is when things aren't going to good, don't start biting people, especially those in your home. You know, you take it easy. Find God in the middle of the valley and trust him in the situation. Here's some lessons from the valley. And we're going to talk firstly about the most famous valley of all, Psalm 23. And um, in that valley, we find intimacy. In the darkest valley, you find intimacy. When you read Psalm 23, the most famous of all the Psalms, you find David talks those words that are so familiar to us. He's talking about God. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He knows that from his theology, from the Bible, but he also knows it from his experience. And he leads me and he guides me. And he's saying, you can be confident. And he's sort of giving a, a teaching, a, a, a comfort for us who are followers of Christ. And so he says, talks all that about the Lord and who he is. But then you find halfway through the psalm, the language changes. And do you know where it changes? It changes in the valley. He says this. He said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It doesn't say the Lord who is my shepherd and make a great theological statement. He said, because you are with me. You are the one I know. You're the one that when I go through the difficulties, I find that you're there. David went through many valley experiences in his life. Apart from anything else, he lost three sons. Two son, one son murdered another son. And then that same son rose up in rebellion, raised up an army, and he was killed in battle. One son he lost because of his own sinfulness and his waywardness. And he went through a terrible personal time in his life where he was struggling with his own identity, his own sin, and he became very, very sick during that period of time. A dark valley that he went through. You know, we go through valleys of different types of experiences, but what we find in the valley is what is, what is essential. David said, when I'm in the darkest, darkest valley, you are with me. God is with you in the valley. You find intimacy in the valley, any mature Christian, you listen to their story, they will tell you that their greatest 
revelations and intimacy with God was not on the mountaintops. It's in the valley. That's where you find that God is real and that He's powerful and that He can help you. Some of you here today, you need to know that despite the circumstances, God is right with you. There are some people here today that don't know God personally. And you're hearing this, you're going through a tough time. I tell you what, you just turn your eyes, your attitude, your heart towards Jesus because He is with you and watching over you and wants the best for you. In the valley of shadows, you know, it can be things that we fear. David didn't die in the valley. It was a shadow of death. It was, it was like the impending possibility through battle or through what was happening in his family or his own sickness, what he was struggling with. And so it was, it was like a shadow. And, and, and some of us can face things like, like you fear cancer or you fear this COVID or you fear what, what's going to happen with job security? What's going to happen now that I've been made redundant? What's going to happen now that things aren't working out so good in, in our family, in our relationships? You know, we find God in the valley. And, you know, the, the few things just about shadows. You know, because sometimes those shadows, they, they just appear to be worse than the reality of what you're actually going through. Number one is shadows can't hurt you. You know, for just a shadow of death or, or the shadow or, or the fear of something going wrong, it's not actually touching you right now. You ever been run over by the shadow of a truck, you know? It's a whole different experience to the real thing, I can assure you of that. But we can worry about things like that. Shadows are always bigger than the reality. We're playing a game with my grandson at home the other day. It was nighttime. I got a torch out. We turned the torch on. We turned the lights off. And then he's shining a torch and I'm using my hand to make dinosaurs and, and dogs barking and things like that on the wall. It's always much bigger from the light. that it sh Shadows are bigger than the reality that you face. The other thing is this. If there's a shadow, then there's got to be a light source somewhere. You know, and your light is Christ. You find Christ in the valley. There is blessing in the valley. It seems like a contradiction. Because we say, in the valley, I'm discouraged. I've got no money. Debts are piling up. There's a health issue. People at work don't treat me right. We see it as being a negative. And then we say things like, well, as soon as I get out of this, I'll change my attitude. You know, there's no promise that you're coming straight out of the valley. God will meet you in the valley. And it's important to get to shift your attitude and turn to the one who is with you in the valley and he will bring you through it. God doesn't have to deliver you from the valley. He will deliver you in it. We're going to learn here from in the valley of famine. There is a great harvest and one of the pressures that are on people today, some people is financial, about business, about job security, redundancy, losing these. This is a reality for so many people today. But look at this scripture about Isaac. Isaac was living in a land where there was a famine in the land. So all over the land, there was no rain. And so the crops were getting burnt up. Things were not going right. But look what the scripture says about Isaac. It says, Isaac planted his crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. 
you know, whatever's happening, even in your circumstances that you're facing or what's happening to people that are out there, you know that God is with you and He can cause even the most difficult time to be a season of blessing in your life and to be with you. You know, what I love is the attitude with Isaac and his men was this, is that he looked at the same weather that all his neighbors did. And many had just given up hope and didn't bother plowing, didn't bother planting seed. But Isaac got up every morning and his men, and they went out there and they plowed the field. And they got the seed out of the storehouse and they planted the seed. And they, there was no rain coming. They had to irrigate the, the, the plants. And so they would get water out of the well and they would carry it to where the plants were and they watered them. You see, sometimes when things are going against us, we just back off. We become like, oh, well, this is what's happening and just accept the circumstances. You can't accept the circumstances. If you've lost your job, you still get out of bed in the morning. You know, you don't lie in bed and, and, and watch TV till, you know, whatever. You, you get out of bed like, like it's just another day. What do I normally do? I normally get up out of bed. I get breakfast. If I'm not going to work, go outside and go for a walk. Go for a prayer walk. Do something. Offer somebody, create, find an opportunity to go and serve somebody and do something in a volunteer way or find a part-time job. Do something. Move out and move into what God has for you. It's there that God will open the doors and create an opportunity for you. I had a friend in um, our church in Hamilton, Brian, and he was a tap designer in New Zealand, designing taps. I just thought we brought him in from China or Europe. You know, I never knew we made taps here in New Zealand. He was a designer of taps, and he was close to um, retirement, but he lost his job. He was made redundant. But you know, Brian, he, he didn't give up. He used to come to our prayer meeting every Wednesday morning, and he'd say, please pray for me. I'm looking for a job. And I said, that's when I found out what job he did, and I'm thinking, wow, this is some prayer, you know. How is this going to be answered? And But we prayed for him, you know, every, and went on for about six to nine months, somewhere in about that length of time, a little like something coming to birth. And then he got a call from a company in Whangarei, and they wanted him to go there as a designer on a great salary. So he was so excited, told us all about it, and uh, told his wife, that, hey, honey, we're, we're going to Whangarei. And uh, he was just so excited, and she sort of looked at him blankly and said, well, you can go, but I'm not going. We've been here for 30 years. This is my home. All my friends are here. Our church is here. I'm not going to Whangarei. So we had to pray some more, you know, in the prayer meetings. <laughs> Keep praying. But you know what turned out is the company in Whangarei employed him in Whangarei for three days a week. And then he did one day at home and spent a day, half a day traveling each way. And, uh, you know, so the company was happy. You know, we were happy because we didn't have to pray anymore. We just had to thank God <laughs> for it. Brian was happy. His wife was happy. And, you know, the best thing, eh? Happy wife, happy life. I tell you what, that was an amazing answer to an impossible situation. You know, God is able to do much more than we could ask or think. In valleys, we always gain something, something you go through, experiences, something's going to help you to comfort others. 
benefits that are, that are going to cause you to find promotion somewhere further on in your life. Sometimes the thing that you're going through right now isn't just about now, but it's about in the future. When David was only 17 years of age, in the Valley of Elah, he defied, defeated Goliath, you know the story well enough, with a sling and a stone. He knocked that giant down. But you know, that didn't kill the giant. David ran over, grabbed Goliath's sword, and chopped his head off. Fairly meaty, gruesome, but a reality. When David, the 17-year-old, came out of the valley, in one hand, he had Goliath's head, and the other hand, he had the sword. We don't know what happened to Goliath's head, except for went to Jerusalem. Probably didn't last long. But the sword was a good sword. And he gave it to Saul, and Saul kept it as a memorial about the victory that Israel had. And he gave it to the priest to keep it near where the ark of God was. And, uh, of course, time just went on. David didn't know where the sword was. But, you know, a few years on, he got into trouble. Saul wanted to kill him. And he ended up having to flee his home in the middle of the night. He escaped out a window, didn't have time to get any goods together, only the clothes that are on his back. He jumped on a horse and he took off. He stopped at the next town where his friends the priests were. And he went to them and he said, look, have you got me some food? I left in such a hurry, I, I haven't got any food. And they gave him some bread. And he said, does anyone here have a sword? And the priest turned to him and said, David, all that we have is the sword of Goliath the Philistine who you killed in the valley. You know, that sword, something David had picked up in the valley years before, suddenly became something that was going to save his life in the years that lay ahead. You know, experiences in life that you go through, sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. But they help you to, in the decision-making that you do, the advice that you give to people. I remember when at the Hamilton Church, Maggie and I, as we mentioned, we've been married 55 years. We've lived in a few homes. Uh, there's about a dozen we'd lived in before we went to Hamilton, and most of them were pretty run down, and we did them up and sold them, and you get to understand a little bit about the, the housing market. Not, not an expert, but you pick up some bits and pieces. When the time came at the church, we decided to sell the church and to move to a new property. And so we talked to the real estate agents about the value of, of the church, what they thought we'd get. And they said, well, there's not much of a market for churches. And it's different to like selling a house. And they said, well, you'll probably get 1.2 maybe 1.1 to 1.2. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute, I've got an idea of the size of the land, the value of things. And anyway, we talked together as an eldership and I went back to the real estate man and I said, you put it on the market at 1.8, but tell people, let them know that we'll come down to 1.7. And um, anyway, so I was out there for a little while, but there was a church in town. So it didn't end up going to... Uh, Somebody was going to bowl the church over and take it down. The church was what they were looking for, and it was, a, it was a good church, great people. And anyway, they came back to us, and they offered us 1.6. And uh, so, you know, we were happy to come down to that. And, uh, and, and because the great thing is this, like with the church, this, this is the thing, and it's, so, it's just an amazing thing, is that, you know, they were so blessed with what they got, the price they got that for, because they didn't just get a building, 
and the land. You know, we, we'd been building a new church, so we had new seating, we had new projectors, we had new sound equipment, so that when they bought our church, we gave them everything. You know, we didn't put any extra charge on, we just said, you just take everything as it is. So we went out one Sunday, turned everything off, and the next week they were in there, next Sunday they were turning everything on, and we'd done a bit of training during the week to show them how to run the projectors and all of those things. But, you know, this is the thing. If I hadn't gone through a lot of experiences, some of them positive with houses, some of them negative, then it wouldn't be in that place to be confident about the steps we were taking. You learn things as you go through experiences in life that are going to help you when it becomes something that's important, not just for you, but for others, for your business or whatever um, people that you are responsible for. And so we learn things, we benefit, we gain from what is in the valley. My last point is this, we'll we'll just take a little bit of time on this, how we turn a valley of defeat into a valley of blessing. You know, we sung that song, The Blessing. You know, know, I encourage you at home sometimes, just turn that on, you know, find it on YouTube or whatever. Let it wash over you. Let it understand that God wants to bless your life because, you know, we're not always facing blessing out there in the world. There are valleys where there are difficulties. And so King Jehoshaphat, he was uh, the king and three armies came against him. So three nations gathered together. So we're going to wipe out this king of Judah. And so Jehoshaphat was a man, he loved God and served God. And he could have easily gone inward and just started to think, well, God, you know, this isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? You ever felt like that sometimes when things go wrong? I know I have at times. I've been guilty of that. And uh, until I start finding and seeing what God is going to do in the situation. And Jehoshaphat knew where to turn. And he turned to the Lord. And he got all the people together to pray. The men, the women, the boys, the girls, the youth, they all gathered together for a whole day just to pray and to seek God. And Jehoshaphat's prayer was this. He, he, just, he prayed like this. He says, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You know, it's turning your eyes towards the King of Kings. Understanding nothing hap- happens randomly in your life. You know, God is specific. If you're in a valley, there's a reason. He's going to do something out of that. It's important just to be honest with God. Lord, my eyes are on you. You are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. You are with me in the fire. You are beside me when I'm going through the difficulty. And as they were praying together somewhere, I guess in the middle of the day, a young man stood up, a prophet, and he he started to speak what God was saying was going to happen. I tell you, you start speaking, seeking God, you're going to find a verse is going to come alive as you look into the Scripture. Somebody's going to come along and bring a word of encouragement. You're going to get a phone call. I remember one time Maggie was in a, in a child's area with one of our grandchildren, and a lady came up and brought a prophetic word to her in the, just in the, in the middle of life. Somewhere when you're seeking God, He will come through with a word that will tell you uh, what the next step is going to be. And this man said that just to stand still and see God at work because the battle is not yours but God's. You see, the battle you're facing, some of you are facing right now, some of you are in the middle of it. I tell you, it's not just your battle, it's God's battle. He's got your back. 
I tell you what, I don't care what comes against me as long as I've got God at my back and He is breaking through on my behalf. And out of that came a strategy and, and, and a peace came upon um, King Jehoshaphat. And this is the other thing that comes, you know, the peace of God that passes all understanding. And then the plan was formulated and it doesn't say God told Jehoshaphat to do this, but he just felt in his heart in his spirit, like sometimes Pastor Mike does here, and he says, I'm just feeling we should go in this direction, or we should do that. Just like that, he said, you know, when we go to battle, we're not going to send the soldiers out first, we're going to send out the musicians, Dan Bell, you know, the team up here, we're going to send him, I think that's a great idea for a battle, don't you? Not so hot for the team, maybe, but that's what they did, they went out, and the singers went before them, and they were praising God, and worshiping God. And they weren't just singing songs saying, oh, I am great, I am strong, I am mighty. No, they sang about the Lord. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. He just sang all these worship things. You know, while they were praising, something was happening in the spiritual realm. In that valley, as the army approached the entrance to the valley, inside the valley were the three armies but confusion was coming over them. There was spiritual warfare happening. Some of you with decisions that are being made, you know, God will start to work on your behalf, affecting the decisions that other people will make and changing decisions that were working against you and they will turn for you. And in the middle of it, the men and the, the soldiers started to fight each other. You know, just a little ruckus in the middle of the huge valley with hundreds of thousands of soldiers but it wasn't long before they were all fighting each other. They were drawing their swords. They were killing each other. And the Bible says that the three armies totally wiped each other out. There was not one man left standing. So when Jehoshaphat and the singers and the soldiers came into the valley, all they saw was a defeated enemy, totally demolished. There were so many soldiers and people and bodies in that valley, it took them three days to pick up all the jewelry and the weapons and the horses and, and the clothing and all of the things that they gathered together, three days, just to bring all the plunder together. And then Jehoshaphat said on the fourth day, they spent a day just praising God and thanking Him because God is such an awesome God. You know, God called that valley. He didn't call it the valley of opposition. He didn't call it the valley of uh, three armies or difficulties or trials. God changed the name of that valley. He said, that's the valley of blessing. The blessing of God because a king and his people learned that in the midst of a terrible time for them, they turned their eyes towards God and they started to praise him. You know, some of you here, and I know that there are some of you here this morning and you've lost your joy. You know, you've let it go just because circumstances get tough. You know, we go through hard times. So many people sitting next to you and near and around you, they will tell you about times they've gone through if you ask them how God's brought them out. Some of them have lost loved ones. Some of them have faced cancers and sickness and trials. Marriages have broken up. They haven't given up. They've started again tried to reach out, tried to mend, tried to repair, 
or they've got on with their life and gone separate ways depending what's happened. But all of these things are valleys. We go through valleys. You're not the only one and you're not alone. And this is the thing about church. The fact that you are here today and if you're going through something means that despite what you're going through, you've decided to look to Him. Your coming here is an indication of that. And I want to say today, God wants to bless your life. He wants to break off chains that are bottling you down, especially of discouragement and feeling oppressed and downtrodden. You know, the devil comes in on our ordinary circumstances and tries to make it worse. But you know, at the name of Jesus, he has to flee. This morning, some of you are going to find release over your mind, over your thinking, some of you in your body with healing. God is going to break through for you and bring transformation and to bring change into your life.